The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, hello again. We're going to continue our sermon series in the book of Hebrews. And I'm Pastor Nelson Nestle, Tower View Baptist Church. You see our information up there in the corner of the screen and about who we are and what we do. Well, there who we, are. we find out who we are and what we do at those places. There's a phone number and our uh, you can call or text that phone number. Um, let's see. And there's who I am. And so we're going to be continuing our sermon series on Hebrews. And I'll be preaching from Hebrews chapter 1 today. God is the same, past, present, and future. And, and so let's start with a word of prayer as we get ready to uh, um, look at our scripture this morning. Lord, we just thank you today for all you provide. Help us as we study your word for a little bit today. You are a mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, before I read the scripture, in case you didn't know it, um, I like science fiction. I watch sci-fi TV shows. I watch Star Trek and Nauseam, but I got, I've watched all the Star Wars films, Stargate, Babylon 5. I've watched Doctor Who. I watched Doctor Who back in the 80s when it was on PBS. Not to mention all the superhero movies throughout time. One thing that pops up often in those movie themes, old and, and, and new sci-fi, is the idea of time travel. If you go back in time and you change something, how does that change the future? Or is that the present? Because that's where you came from. I, yeah. Or sometimes they have the idea of cause comes before effect. Or you have weird things like this. So Doctor Who, one time, somebody said, what's... To describe time travel, and he says, people assume that the time is a strict progression, that it goes from cause to effect, but actually it is from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint. It is more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, tiny-wimey stuff. Wibbly-wobbly, tiny-wimey. I don't know about time. We, we can't time travel. I mean, you go to sleep and you wake up in the future. That's about, that's about the extent of it. Um... We, we really can't time travel. We don't know. Is that? But you know what? God doesn't need to time travel. He is outside of time. He is the creator of time. Our existence needs time to make sense of it. Because that's how we live. We couldn't live without a linear progression of time. You were young. You're getting older. God is a control of time. and always has been. Like I said, he was the creator of time. The writer of Hebrews explains how God has used the past and the present and the future for your benefit. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 1, 
verses 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The son, the son is the exact, no, I'm sorry, verse 3. The son, the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to, to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Hebrews 1 through 4, I was reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. So we're going to look today. Because of the past and present, you have a future. This is today's big idea. Because of the past and present, you have a future. The troubles of this world will pass away. The joys of this world will pale in comparison to the blessings of heaven. In the past, God spoke to us in different times and in different ways. In the present, God has spoken to us by his Son. And in the future, God will be with us in heaven. And so those are our three points today. That God, in the past, God spoke in the present, God has spoken, and in the future, God will be with us. Now, the book of Hebrews, it was written before the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans because the Jews rebelled. And that's what they thought Jesus, many of the Jews who, who thought Jesus was the Messiah, thought Jesus was going to lead a rebellion and defeat the Romans. And they were sorely disappointed that Jesus didn't do that. He did not lead an earthly army in an, earth, in an earthly rebellion of military battles. He led a heavenly army in a heavenly battle for your soul, for your sin. And so the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And how do I know this was written before that? Because all through Hebrews where it talks about the temple and temple worship, and temple sacrifices, they are never mentioned in the past tense. They're always mentioned as if they were going on right now. And so we think because of that, this was written before 70 AD. In which case, you think about this, this was written very quickly after Jesus. Jesus died around 30 AD, give or take a couple years. He was roughly 30 years old. And so that gives a, a less than a 40-year time period between Jesus' death and resurrection to have the book of Hebrews um, written. So we're going to look at this. In verse 1, it says, long ago. Long ago. So the question is, how long ago is long ago? Before COVID? When you were a teenager, maybe when your parents were teenagers, maybe it was long ago, so long ago it was before the airplane was invented. Maybe it was farther back. Maybe it was before the United States was a nation. You ask a child, anything that happened before they were born was probably long ago. To the geologist or the astronomer, 10,000 years is yesterday, the way they measure time because they measure things in millions of years. But to God, a million years 
is as recent as your last meal, your most recent meal. So God began a work at creation, which was really long ago. And it continues and continued throughout history through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. That work will continue forever in the kingdom of heaven. What happened long ago? God spoke. He spoke. Someone said, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible out loud. Tilt that just a tad bit. Read your Bible out loud. Many today say they have heard God speak, but almost always it's, it's either manipulation or pure evil. A man goes up to a woman and says, God told me that I'm supposed to marry you. That's manipulation. That's not God speaking. A TV preacher says, God's told me to build a thing, a new church, a new building. But you have to give me money. That's manipulation. Periodically, you'll hear in the news, and it happened again recently, a, a, a parent will say, God told me to kill my child. That's just pure evil. That's just the devil manipulating people to do pure evil. Yet we see God speaking throughout Scripture. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. God even spoke to Cain. God spoke to Noah about a boat. God spoke to Abraham both in visions and in person. God spoke through Moses through a burning bush and a burning mountain. God, he spoke to the boy, Samuel. He spoke through all the prophets. And he spoke to the whole nation of Israel on the, next to the mountain. He spoke at different times. He spoke at creation and spoke the earth into existence. Soon thereafter, he spoke to Adam. And about 2000, at least 2,000 years later, he spoke to Noah. At some point after that, he spoke to Job and Abraham. He spoke to Moses after Abraham's offspring were in Egypt for over 400 years. And for the next thousand plus years, God spoke through the prophets from Moses until the temple was rebuilt with Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zechariah, and Malachi to close out the Old Testament. And he spoke in different ways. He spoke in person in the garden. He used visions and dreams. He spoke through angels and prophets. He spoke in a booming voice to the nation in a still, small voice in the wind to Elijah. His prophets were kings and priests. Others were shepherds and farmers. Some prophets were old men and some were boys. Some he only used for a specific event. Others he used for a lifetime. Some used only words. Others used miracles. Others used props as object lessons. And still others, their life was the object lesson. Isaiah preached nude for three years. Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. Ezekiel was told to not mourn when his wife died. 
God spoke to individuals and nations, not just Israel. God made covenants with Adam and Noah and Abraham. God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. God made a promise to his faithful servant, David. God did not use a formula of how he communicated. He didn't use a formula. How he, he communicated both to his righteous followers and to those who were unfaithful, to Cain, Job's three friends, King Saul, King Belshazzar of Babylon, when he wrote, had the handwriting on the wall the night before Babylon was conquered. So God in the past spoke in different times and in, right, spoke at different times and in different ways. In the present, our second point, God has spoken to us by his son. Look at verse 2. Jesus is what? Appointed heir of all things. Jesus made the universe through God. I was like, how did that happen? Well, read back in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make man in our image. And he made them male and female. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. We see that in, in Daniel chapter 7, where it's describing a temple scene, uh, a throne scene in heaven with the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and the Son of Man in the clouds coming to meet him. We see Jesus' radiance throughout the book of Revelation and on the Mount of Transfiguration. Continuing on, Jesus is the exact expression of God's nature. All through Jesus' ministry, he spoke with authority. And the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And he repeats that phrase often because he was speaking from God's nature. Jesus, continue on, it says, Jesus sustains all things by his powerful words. Jesus can change the weather with his words. I can't. I have not been able to affect the weather at all, weather at all this winter. I can't bring the snow and I can't stop the snow. Jesus stopped storms by his words. Jesus making purification for our sins, it says. And finally, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then in verse 4, it continues on. It says, Jesus was seemingly, was made superior to the angels. When was he inferior? Well, he was kind of inferior while he was on earth because men are inferior to angels presently. Not really, but it appeared to be he was inferior to them. But now Jesus is superior. And we see that in, in the rest of the chapter 1, verses 5 through 14 rest of this chapter, there are seven quotes from the Old Testament. And depending on your translation and your publisher, it may those quotes may stand out. They may indent them. They may bold them as they do in my Bible. Um, they should have at least uh, quotation marks. And then if your Bible has uh, footnotes or, or, or such, they may tell you where the scripture is coming from. But there's seven quotes. Six of them are from the book of Psalms. Excuse me. From the book of Psalms, two are, and, and one of them is from 2 Samuel. All pointing to Jesus being superior to the angels. 
But it's, well, I'm going there. God spoke to us. It's spoken to us by his son. How has he done that? Well, in the New Testament, God spoke through Jesus. And we see that in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the words of Jesus. And once again, depending on your publisher, the words of Jesus may be in a different color. <clears throat> they're still the words of Jesus if they're not a different color. If, if, if it's all the same color print, it's, they still use quote marks, and it's still the words of Jesus. In the New Testament, God spoke to us through the disciples. Some of the books of the New Testament are written by disciples. The, the Gospels, Matthew and John, those are both disciples that wrote those Gospels. Peter was a, a disciple, and he, we have two letters of Peter. God spoke to us through the apostles. Those were people who saw the risen Lord, risen Jesus, but were not one of the 12 disciples. And of those who wrote, we have Paul, who saw Jesus at least on the road to Damascus when he was saved. And there may have been, he may have had another vision of Jesus uh, at some other time. He alludes to it, but we don't know that for sure. And he wrote most of the New Testament. All the books from Romans to Philemon are written by the Apostle Paul. But James and Jude also saw Jesus, but they were not the disciples. And they both have a letter in, in the New Testament. Then the, God spoke through other followers. The book of Mark, then the book of Luke, well, the, the people Mark and Luke were followers of Jesus, but they came along later. They weren't apostles, they weren't disciples or apostles. Mark, we read, he wrote the Gospel of Mark, but we read about Mark in the book of Acts, and we, he's usually named John Mark. And he's also listed in Paul's letters as someone who's helpful to him. Luke wrote two books. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And then we have the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who that is. There's many speculations of who it is. Probably the two most popular are Barnabas, who's mentioned in the book of Acts, and, and Paul. But we have no definite, we don't know definitely either one. And if there's a name in the New Testament, some scholar somewhere has probably proposed that they wrote the book of Acts, or I mean the book of Hebrews, including some of the women. But we don't know that. We, we, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. And it doesn't matter. Because it's this godly inspired book that reign, to us it remains anonymous. But God knows who it is. In the past, God provides, so in the past, God has spoken to us by his son. But also in the past, God provided the sacrifice of animals to cover for the sins of men for those who practice in faith. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Let me read that again. In the past, God provided the sacrifice of animals to cover for the sins of men for those who practice in faith. Practice in faith. In the present, God provided Jesus to make purification for the sins, for the sins of men, for those who believe in faith. Once again, both are in faith. One practiced in faith, one believes in faith. But there are things we still practice. In the past, the people of Israel had to live by faith by following the law of God. 
They lived by faith by following the law of God. Today, the people of faith live by believing that the Jesus came to purify you by dying and then being resurrected. We live by faith by believing. Not just by acknowledging the not believing the events happened. You know what? Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows that for a fact. He knows for a fact that Jesus died and was risen from the dead. He doesn't deny that event ever happened. He may cause you to deny it and cause doubt. Did God really say? But he knows it. But that doesn't save him. Because he doesn't live by those phrases. He doesn't live by that fact. He doesn't believe it with his heart that it changes his life to cause him to repent. So he doesn't live by faith. In the past, God provided the hope of salvation to a small and weak people, Israel. Because they were a small and a weak people. Today, God provides the hope of salvation. Let me read that again. Today, God provides the hope of salvation to small and weak people, you and me. Because we are small and weak, because we are nobody. We have no power whatsoever in this world. We may have some influence about around the people around us. And even if you were the president of the United States or the prime minister of another country, your power compared to God is nothing. Because you cannot change the weather. You cannot influence eternity. You cannot create anything new under the sun. All you can do is manipulate what we already have. We think we're so powerful because we created an atomic bomb. No, we didn't create anything. We manipulated what was already here to explode. But we didn't create anything. We've created you know, rockets to fly tens of thousands of miles an hour. No, we didn't create anything. We took what God provided us and manipulated it. And we built something new, but it's not creating anything new under the sun. In the present, God has spoken to us by his son. In the future, God will be with us in heaven. Let me tell you, in the future, God will be with us in heaven. Look at the last phrase in verse 3. It says, Jesus, it says, Jesus is assumed there, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down at the, with the, at the right hand of the majesty on high. Earthly kingdoms come and go. The Assyrian Empire, Babylon, Persia, Greek under Alexander the Great. Each of those nations, each of those empires only lasted 100 to 300 years. Not, in the grand scheme of things, not very long. America is 245, by the way. Even the mighty Roman Empire. I, I did some research on this, and it's like, how, how long did the Roman Empire last? And I got answers from as short as 500 years, which is still longer than any other empire, to as long as 2,000, depending on how they measured. 
really it was probably closer to a thousand as, as they were an empire. But even as a short version, it's still longer than any other empire in the world that we know of. The Ottoman Empire lasted about 460 some years before it ended in, during World War I. You think, well, how about some empires during our time? Well, the Soviet Iron Curtain, how many decades did that last? Only a few. From the 50s to the 80s, that was it. Hitler, he had an empire. He ruled Germany as fewer for 12 years, 12. What about the good guys, the British Empire? Well, that did last around 400 years. But still, only 400 years. As I said, America is only 245 years. It'll be 246 later this year. The kingdom of heaven began at creation and will continue forever. How long has that been? I don't know. Creation is at least 6,000 years ago, probably longer. And forever? That's a long time. When we look at verses, we're going to look at verses 8 to 12. How do we know this is going to, and this is predicted. This is nothing new. Verses 8 and 9 are from Psalm 45. Verses 10 through 12 are for Psalm 102. God's kingdom will last forever. Starting in verse 8. But the but to the Son, quote, quote, Old Testament, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Verse 10. And in the, in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remained. They will wear out like clothing, and you will roll them up like a cloak. And they will be changed like clothing, but you are the same, and your years will never end. We think, well, God predicted this eternal kingdom. That's like, you know, from Revelation. No, it's from Psalms. It's from Daniel chapter 7. It's from many other places throughout the Old Testament scripture. This is why the Jews thought the Messiah was going to come to be a ruler. An earthly ruler that had a kingdom and a, and a throne and all that stuff. But no, it just hasn't happened yet. Or it's continuing to happen, but we can't see it. God's kingdom of heaven, which Jesus spoke about in his sermons and in his parables, is eternal. The kingdom of heaven has was spoken of by John the Baptist and has no end and has already begun. Both John the Baptist and Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you belong to the kingdom of heaven? Have you repented? Jesus said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is a sinless place. Your entry, you enter by repenting of your sins. Jesus' death and resurrection opened the gates so you can enter. Because you have repented, your life of holiness on earth is beginning, and it's in for preparation for heaven. 
Our goal is perfection, but we won't get there until he till heaven. It won't happen till we till heaven. But we should progress towards it. Our goal should be to remove the sin from our lives and make progress. Have you repented today? He said, well, I did that many years ago. Well, don't be like the old husband. The wife was complaining. You never tell me you love me anymore. And the husband said, oh, lady, I told you I loved you on the day we got married. I'll let you know when I changed my mind. Repenting is not like that. Well, I repented once. I'm good. Repentance is continuous. Because why? Because we don't stop sinning. We finally get, God kind of gets us over one sin and then he goes, okay, here's the next one to work on. And he doesn't work everybody in the same order. And so the first sin God works on you when you get saved may not be the first sin that somebody else works on. That may be number five, five in their list. But repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and turn to God. I pray that's what you do today. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you provide. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. You are the mighty God. Help us to turn to you today, whether it's turning to you for the first time or turning to you for the hundredth time. Help us to continually and constantly turn to you each and every day. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nissi, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church. You can check us out at towerviewkc.com and see all about us. Um, you can, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave us a message there on the website, or you can call the phone number there, 816-368-1330, and you can call that number, you can text that number. So I thank you for watching and listening today. God bless and have a wonderful day.